Do you remember normal? Normal was deciding between a booth or a table. But now, normal looks new. New ways to spend our time. New ways we interact with each other. New ways we experience God. Normal changed. Will you? Tonight we are continuing a series that we started two weeks ago uh, called Life in Limbo. We didn't have youth last week. We took some time with our volunteers, fed them Chick-fil-A, and taught them, you know, equipped them to be great small group leaders. So now I can tell you, you've got the best small group leaders in town. Uh, Yeah, you do. Uh, And so tonight we're continuing this series called Life in Limbo. And and you'll recall two weeks ago, uh, or if you weren't here, you won't recall, but hey, two weeks ago, we talked about how to find hope in hard times. Look, we're we're just being honest with each other. All right, we we said, look, uh, the past five going on six months, frankly, have just been hard, right? I think we can all agree if we're being honest with ourselves in some way, shape, or form, change for us through COVID-19 has been stressful, it's been weird, uh, and in a lot of ways, it's been hard. Talked two weeks ago about how to find faith in the midst of hardship, and we talked about uh, really three things that if we're going to find hope in the middle of change, whether that be life changes as you're preparing to go from middle school to high school, or some of you, you're, you're starting in middle school, or you know, you've graduated, uh, you're a senior about to get ready to graduate in a year to go to college. And so all these life changes that we face right now, a big one is COVID-19. And so how do we handle change, and then how do we find hope when everything around us kind of seems to be chaotic? And so this is something that I know applies to me, and I know applies to you. So that is my prayer through all of this, that we will listen and we'll just be honest with ourselves and take away from these messages just truths that we can apply that will help us. And so two weeks ago, we talked about how if we're going to find hope in the midst of hardship, we have to first give up control. You have to give up control, and you got to give control up to God. And then you cannot be afraid of destruction. And that was kind of a hard point for us to talk about because destruction is something that naturally we are afraid of. But we talked about in order for us to grow through change, you have to be willing to let go of the old in order to embrace the new, in order to receive the growth that can come from change. And then we summed it all up by talking about how we have to be willing to embrace opportunity and endure hardship. And so tonight we're going to talk about something that's going to go exactly with those three truths. That as you are working through those three things in order to find hope in the midst of hardship, tonight we're going to talk about something that you have to have, and I'm going to argue you have to have in order to do those three things. This is something that goes with it. I don't think you can have one without the other. And so tonight we are going to talk about the importance of finding community in Christ. We're going to talk about the importance of finding community in Christ. I want to start out by uh, telling you a story. Some of you have heard in different ways, shapes, or forms about my life and some of the struggles that I've faced in my life. You know, when I was, uh, many of y'all's age, I was uh, eighth grade. Uh, and, 
you know, I really, at eighth grade, I was introduced to pornography. Just being straight up honest with you, being vulnerable. Eighth grade, I was introduced to pornography. And, and that was something that really got a hold of my life and took me to places I'd never want to go again. It took me down roads and, and to places in my mind and, and physically, just emotionally, that I never want to even touch with a 10-foot pole again. And what was so heavy almost about it was that the struggle I was facing, I didn't feel like I could tell anyone, right? I felt like I was hiding in shame and keeping my life hidden from people, and I didn't have community around me. I felt isolated. But what I realized is as, as I was, frankly, forced into community, forced into the light, and was surrounded by people, it made it a lot easier to walk through those struggles and overcome those struggles. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about two main things. We're going to talk about consequences of isolation, and we're going to talk about the importance of finding community in Christ. And if you're taking notes, there's going to be plenty of slides for you to take pictures of, to write down. Uh, if you have your Bible, we're going to read some scriptures together in the second half of the sermon as we look at community in Christ. So I, as we start out, let, let's look at the consequences of isolation. And simply put, we see the consequences of isolation through the importance of community and vice versa. When we see the consequences of isolation, we see how important community is in our lives. And, and there's been... A, I, Go Google the consequences of isolation. There's study after study after study after study of the effects of social isolation, of physical isolation, of emotional isolation. And especially right now, people are doing all sorts of studies of, you know, what is the, the effects of isolation on adults? What is the effects of isolation on students? And that's been one of the big things of people saying, hey, we got to reopen the schools because, hey, the, the effects of isolation on students are huge. And frankly, y'all have been, in a lot of ways, isolated. And I know as, as things have gone more into the summer, you've come back with your friends. But there was a point in quarantine where y'all were pretty much completely isolated from one another. And to some extent, all of the studies, all, everyone kind of agrees to some extent that there's really three consequences of isolation. Here's what they are. Anxiety which leads to hopelessness or compensation, which leads to exhaustion. The consequences of isolation are anxiety, which leads to hopelessness or compensation, which leads to exhaustion. And all three of these consequences are 100% interconnected. And what do I mean by that? I mean that the, the first consequence you're going to feel from from isolation is anxiety, and that is going to lead you to hopelessness, which will lead you to exhaustion. Or your anxiety will lead you to overcompensate, which will exhaust you. They're all interconnected. And it's really easy for us, and you're going to go, yep, this is really easy for me. I know it. When you're isolated, it is really easy, easy for you to hop on what I would like to call the what-if train. The what-if train. And we've all been there. We've all gotten on that train of what if. And I will tell you, if you get on the what, the what if train, you have a one-way ticket to anxiety. 
you will get on that train and you will go nowhere but to anxiety. The what if train leads to anxiety. What if, what if my friends don't actually like me? What if they talk about me when I'm not around? What if I, I don't ever find the person that God has for me to marry? What if I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life? What if, what if, what if, what if Corona never leaves? And it's those thoughts that get in our mind. And most of the time, it's not when you're with your friends. It's when you're sitting at home, laying in bed, you can't fall asleep, and your mind's just doing this. It's just racing and racing and racing, and your mind can't stop. You can't fall asleep because you can't stop thinking about what if. What if I never figure it out? What if that boy that I think is cute never likes me? What if no one thinks I'm attractive? What if God just has no one out there for me? What if I'm just going to be lonely the rest of my life? And it's these thoughts when we're alone that lead us to places of anxiety. And frankly, it drives us crazy. But anxiety, again, leads to two places. The first place I would say it leads you to is compensation. And it looks like this. What if they don't actually like me? Well, I guess I better go find new friends. What if they make fun of me? Well, I guess I need to go find new friends. What if I never find the person God wants me to marry? Well, I guess I better just jump in this relationship. This guy that I think's not really cute or this girl that and she I don't she doesn't I don't really think that relationship's for me, but I may never find the person that God really wants me to marry and this person kind of shows a little bit of interest. So let me go jump in the boat. And it don't matter if they live in Destin, Florida, or 16 hours away. It, you are worried you will never find the person God has for you, so you are jumping in relationships that were never meant for you. That were never meant for you. And it's because you're trying to compensate for your insecurity. You're trying to compensate. What if I never figure out what I want to do with my life? Well, I guess I better go get this job and work under this boss who drives me nuts, I guess I better just accept that I'm, I'm going to have a job that I hate for the rest of my life. Or it leads you to hopelessness, which looks like, what, what if they don't like me? Well, I guess nobody will ever like me. And I should just give up on making friends. I should just realize that I am going to be lonely? What if I never find who God has for me? Well, I guess I'm just going to be alone forever. What if I never figure out my purpose? Well, I guess I have no purpose. You see, that what if train, that, that's where it all started. The, the simple question of what if. And it led you to either feel hopeless or to compensate for your insecurity. And I will tell you very quickly, your compensation or your feeling of hopelessness will exhaust you. It will exhaust you. You will feel tired. And maybe you don't feel tired right now, but give it a year. Give it some time. You will be exhausted. I've been there. I have been there. And there are many students you would be surprised how many students are there too. 
How many adults are there too? How many adults and students are there because of coronavirus? Who they're so tired of worrying about what tomorrow's gonna bring that they're exhausted. They're exhausted of trying to figure out how to handle something they cannot control. They're tired of trying to compensate to figure it out or they're tired of feeling hopeless like this is just never gonna go away. We're tired. We're tired. We work ourselves to death and we drive ourselves crazy. We get tired of trying to find the right thing, the right someone, the right answer. But the reason there is zero benefits to isolation, none of these are benefits, okay? There are no benefits to isolation. And the reason there are zero benefits to prolonged isolation is because we were made for community. There are zero benefits to prolonged isolation because you are made for community. Now, I don't want you to go run home to your parents with this and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, when you put me in timeout, that's just really not healthy for me. Or when you don't let me go hang out with my friends, that's really just not healthy for me. Or when you take away my phone and don't let me Snapchat or uh, get on Instagram or text or call, FaceTime, whatever, like that's just really not healthy for me because I was made for community. That is not what this means. This means prolonged isolation, okay? Extended isolation. If your parents lock you up in your room for a month, then yes, maybe we can start to have that, uh, that conversation of, hey, maybe, maybe we need to figure out how to socialize your student a little bit. Because, th- yeah, that's probably not as healthy for them. But don't go right home and say, hey, never punish me, never take anything away, never keep me from community, because community, that's what's healthy for me. But it is. You are made for community, and it's something that we see from the beginning of Scripture. In Genesis 1, when God is creating, God creates humans. In Genesis chapter 1, and there's something really interesting. If you go back and read Genesis 1, in the story of God creating man, he says, let us create man in our image. Not my image, but our image. Which would speak that God was not alone during creation, right? That's plural. If we look in uh, John, we find an answer to that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word. And, And we come to know that the Word was Jesus. And Jesus was with God in the beginning. And so God is in community, and we come to know that, yes, God is community. The, commun- the community of God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is community. And then we don't have to look but another chapter further in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And I'm going to read this to you. And, and this is going to prove my point that community is good for you. Genesis two eighteen. it's on the screen if you want to follow along. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is right for him. God is saying, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. 
So what did he do? He created woman. He created Eve for Adam. And he said, I want you to live in communion together. And Jesus goes on to talk about the body of Christ in the Gospels of how, as Christians, we are supposed to be in community together. You're not supposed to just go off and be a monk by yourself in the Tibetan mountains and live by yourself. Even monks who do that live in community. They're not alone. Because you were not made for isolation. God created humans to be in community. And while there are zero benefits to isolation, there are so many benefits to be found in community, but not just community. Community that is found in Christ. And that's the second point I want us to look at. The importance of community in Christ. You know, you say, well, why does it have to be community in Christ? Why? What's so important about Christ being present in our community? Like, I've got a group of friends, and we got community, and hey, Christ ain't anywhere near it. And and for some of you, that, that is a realistic picture of your community of your friend groups, is Christ doesn't even come within 10 feet of your conversations that you're having with friends. That is realistic for more students than not today, more adults than not today. It is hard to find genuine community in Christ, but it's so important. I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you why plain old community does not cut it, why it's so important for us to find community in Christ. I'm going to give you four reasons. Four reasons why. And the first one is this. Change can feel like a burden. But community in Christ helps you find hope in hard times. Exactly what we talked about last week. Community in Christ helps you find hope in hard times. I want you, if you have your Bible, flip over to the book of Galatians. Chapter 6, verse 2. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. If you have your Bible app, you can punch it in on your Bible app, or it's on the screen. Galatians 6, verse 2. Here's what it says. Share each other's burdens, and in the same way, obey the law of Christ. Share in each other's burdens. See, if you are, if we're going to walk through the three things that we talked that you're going to have to do in order to find hope in hard times? The first one of giving up control and giving control to God over your life? You're going to have to surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you to do that. Let me just ask you, and you don't have to raise your hand. I just want you to think about this. When you've talked to a friend about you're struggling, and, and, and maybe that your your community, you, you can't even do that. Maybe, maybe your community is, is shallow to the point that you can't be vulnerable with your friends. I recognize that may be a thing too. But when was the last time you were struggling and someone said, hey, you need to give God control over this situation. You need to stop compensating and, and stop feeling hopeless in this situation. And you need to just give it to God and let him have control over your life and over your situation. When was the last time your friends told you to do that? When you came to them and said, I'm struggling, and here's what I'm struggling with. The second thing is you have 
to be surrounded by people who will encourage you to welcome the growth that change can bring. I, I would argue that most friends, if we're not rooted in Christ, will say, hey, you, you can resist that. Hey, yeah, you can, you can make it through that change. Things will return to normal. Change, uh, we don't like change. If anything, we try to avoid it. And we try to help our friends avoid change and the hardships that come with change. But how many of your friends say, hey, I know what you're going through is hard. I know the change you're experiencing is hard, but embrace it. Because through change, God brings growth. How many of your friends have said that? And if we're going to embrace opportunity and endure hardship, you need to surround yourself with people who will help you realize the opportunities God is giving you through change, through difficulty, through hardship. You need friends who will share your burdens. You need friends who will walk with you through tough times and point you to the hope that Christ offers you. The second reason I think community in Christ is so important is this. Community in Christ helps you focus on God and find hope in his promises. If you have your Bible, we're going to turn now to Hebrews chapter 10. It's going to be up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Here's what it says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Next slide. Flip it. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Community in Christ helps you focus on God and find hope in his promises. You need someone who will encourage you. You need someone who will encourage you. And you need someone who will remind you of the promises that God has given us. Let me tell you a story. This couldn't have been more perfect timing. I'm in the middle of writing this message yesterday. And one of my mentors, one of my buddies, he, if you went to dive retreat, you met him, Tyler. Now he spoke, silly, crazy guy, awesome, love him. And Tyler called me and said, hey, man, I, I just need a few seconds to talk. And I said, okay, what you got? And we have this mentor relationship, and, and, you know, a lot of times we think of a mentor like you call him, and very rarely would your mentor ever call you for advice. But we have this mutual mentorship relationship where I call him, and he calls me sometimes. It's great. I love it. He calls me, and he, without getting into exactly what he was struggling with, he said, man, I'm just really struggling right now. And I didn't say, you need to do this, 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 and this to change. That is not how that conversation went. The way the conversation went was, Tyler, I know you're struggling. I know you're on a what-if train right now. But you need to remember the promises that God has given you. You need to remember that God has promised to bless you and to protect you. And he was struggling in a relationship. I said, Tyler, I, remember that God has deemed that relationship 
good, and he will do anything to protect that relationship. And, and we didn't talk about the steps that he needed to take. We talked about how he needed to refocus on the promises of God, how he needed to give God control over the situations. And I, we encouraged one another. We said, look, I know it's hard for you right now, but, hey, keep fighting the battle. Keep trusting in God because God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on that relationship. And he's called that relationship good. You need someone who will remind you of God's promise. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if your community is not found in Christ, that will never happen. It's not. It will not happen. If you have community that is not rooted in Christ, you will never talk about how you need to focus on the promises of God. Because God is absent in that community. The next thing is this. When centered on Christ, their guidance is rooted in Christ. And in truth. Let me just tell you something. Peace cannot be found in chaos. I, I think we can all agree peace and chaos are opposites, right? Right? Peace and chaos, complete, total opposites. You cannot find one in the other. They are completely opposite. And this world is chaotic. And so you cannot find peace in the world. Let me know how you found peace in the chaos of COVID-19. If you found peace, it hasn't been because you've been looking to COVID-19 to give you that peace. If you found peace, I'm going to argue it's probably because you've turned to God. Not the world. You know, when, when we give advice to someone, when you give advice to someone and it's not rooted in Christ, you're giving them advice that is chaotic. When you tell them you need to do this, 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 and this, and none of those things involve them turning to Christ and turning to God, you are putting everything on a broken person who doesn't have the answers, who does not have the strength within themselves to solve the problem. They wouldn't be coming to you if they had the strength to solve the problem. Because if they had the strength to solve the problem, they wouldn't be struggling with the problem. So stop putting the pressure on them to do this, 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 and this. And, and, and instead of telling them what they need to do, tell them how they can turn to God to be the source of the answers to their problems. Peace is found in God. It's not found within ourselves or within other people or within the world. And we need people in our life who will give us guidance that is rooted in Christ, not in chaos. Second thing is this, is seek godly advice from trusted sources. Seek godly advice from trusted sources. Get a mentor. How many students in here have a mentor? Honestly, a mentor. What is a mentor? <laughs> I'm going to rock some boats with this one. A mentor is someone who has already lived your season of life. A mentor is someone who's already lived through 
your season of life. Here, I'll tell you something right now. I love talking to my friends. And I will tell you right now, talking to your friends is good. You need to talk to your friends. And it's great when, as a friend, you can help someone and help another friend. But let me tell you something. When I'm struggling with big things, I do not go straight to my friends. I go to my mentor. And let me tell you something right now, and this is going to be on the screen because this is that important. Friends are not mentors. Friends are not mentors. But mentors can be friends. There's a difference there. There's a big difference there. Friends are not mentors, but yes, mentors can be friends. What do I mean by that? Tyler, who you met at the dive retreat, if he was not my mentor, and he is older than me, he has been through my season of life. I met him when he was out of college. He was my small group leader. He is a friend. But I would never be friends with Tyler if he was not my, first my mentor. My other mentor, Peter, who was my youth pastor, we are now friends. But we never would have been friends if he was not first my mentor. I didn't go up to Peter or Tyron and be like, yo, let's be friends. And we didn't just become friends and then magically one day I was like, hey, mentor me. No, that's not how it worked. And for a lot of you, you seek advice from your friends on big issues. And let me tell you something. Your friends have not seen five years down the road. Your friends have not seen ten years down the road. All they see is right what you see. They see exactly what you see. So they can help you, but they can't help you long term because they don't know what's to come. But a mentor who is older than you and has been through your season of life, high school or someone who's been through high school, school or someone who has been through middle and high school who can help you overcome the challenges Sometimes we give our friends advice and we don't realize what we're setting them up for. And what we're setting them up for unintentionally is not good. Find a mentor and find a mentor who has been through your season of life. The final benefit of community in Christ is this. And Ben, this is your cue to get ready in just a few minutes. Community in Christ provides healing. Community in Christ provides healing. I want us to read two passages of Scripture. They're going to be up on the screen. The first one is in James chapter 5, verse 16, and it says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The second passage is found in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-9, through 9, and here's what it says. You can read it on the screen with me. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
And if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You see, you need people in your life that you can go to with the darkest parts of your life. You need someone in your life who you can go to with the darkest parts of your life and trust that when you confess your sin to them, they will not judge you for your sin. But instead, they will pray for you. And if your community is not found in Christ, you are not going to find someone in your community that will be eager to pray for you. And those scriptures say there is healing through community. There is healing through community. It says, confess your sins to who? To others. James chapter chapter. Verse 16 says, confess your sins to others and God will be faithful to heal you and to forgive you. You know, one of the biggest struggles I had in my life as an eighth grader is I kept praying to God, asking for forgiveness. And I knew God forgave me, but I didn't feel the healing from that. The healing only came once what my struggles that I was dealing with became known. Once they became known. Once I confessed what I was struggling with to others, that is when the healing process started. God forgave me when I asked for it. But the healing began when I confessed it to others. And for a lot of us, we wonder why we're not feeling healing, why why we're not being healed, and why we're still struggling with our sins, and we're still feeling shame and guilt. And it's, it's because... We may know we're forgiven, but we haven't confessed it to others. We're still living in the dark. We're not known. And we're scared because being known is vulnerable. But if you hear anything tonight, I want you to hear this. It's okay not to be okay. It is okay not to be okay. It is okay to have struggles. You are human. Newsflash. If you didn't know this before, you're a human, and you have struggles. Not a single person in here has walked through life without a struggle. Don't do life alone. Find Christian community. Find community that is centered on God and in Christ, and get a mentor. For some of us, we may not know where to look for that. Let me tell you something. If you're wanting a a place to look as a start to finding Christian community, look no further than the groups you're sitting in tonight. Look no further than the groups you're centered in tonight. Because your small groups are designed to be Christian community. And if you don't know, your small group leaders may kill me for this. If you need to look where to find a mentor, look no further than your small group leader. Don't wring their neck and blow them up. Ask first, hey, will you be my mentor? 
Will you be that person that I can call when I'm struggling? Will you do that for me? And some of you have already done that with your small group leaders. You've got a small group leader. And if you don't feel comfortable going to your small group leader, hey, I'm available to talk as well. You have got mentors in this room. You have at least two people in this room between your small group leader and myself who can mentor you, who can be that person for you, who want to be that person for you. So don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to support one another. The final point is this, and then we're going to pray. And I don't have anything to say after I say this point. Isolation destroys. Isolation destroys. But community in Christ brings growth and it brings life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night and the time that we can spend together. We pray that you would challenge us as we process these truths of finding community in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would surround us with people who not only care about us, but care about you and care about giving us guidance that is rooted in you. People who will encourage us to look to you for the hope that we need. Lord, help us to overcome our feelings of anxiety and isolation. Help us to realize that there are people in our lives who want to help us, who want to be that person that we can call on for help when we feel hopeless. Lord, I pray for any student here tonight, Lord, that is feeling hopeless, that's exhausted, that feels anxious and isolated. Lord, I pray that you would speak your truth to them, that they would know your love and know that they're not alone that you are here with them and that you have put people in their life who are here for them. So Lord, as we go into this next song, Lord, I pray that you would move in our spirit or that you would speak to us about the things that we need to get off our chest, the struggles that we need help with. And Lord, give us the courage to go to a small group leader, to go a mentor that we can trust to start processing that, to start receiving healing, to start receiving your forgiveness. So Lord, as we go through the rest of this night, Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, work through this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. This is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you, and thank you for listening.